Well, hey, good evening, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Glad you are here. Welcome to Coffeehouse Theology. First time in 11 months we're in person. So hooray, hooray, yeah. And uh, we know we've got a lot of folks who are listening to the podcast as well. We're not back with preschool and children's yet. So uh, people with younger kids in particular, several told me they would be listening and tuning in online. Uh, So we're so glad that you guys are here with us and uh, we are looking forward to this evening. Uh, Let me give you just a a few things for context as we get started. One is some people, because I see some new faces out there, like, well, what's Coffeehouse Theology? Long story short, when I was youth pastor years ago, got this uh, crazy hair of an idea that I wanted to teach some deeper theology to our young people, students, but I wanted to do it in a, in a conversational setting. So used a, a coffee shop, a church o- a member owned in Cool Springs to literally teach through Wayne Grudem systematic theology. Uh, great time and really enjoyed that. And so when we started Station Hill, I wanted to bring that back. And so I enjoy preaching on Sundays, but I also enjoy the kind of Wednesday teaching interactive moment. Um, and so Brian and I started teaching over in the preschool when we were at our other location uh, in a tiny room on tiny little classroom chairs with a handful of people, uh, and it just has grown consistently over the years, and so we're glad that you guys are here, and we're just kind of keeping that theme alive. We've kept the name, um, and so it's been been fun to cover a lot of different topics and look at a lot of things over the years. The other thing that I wanted to make you aware of uh, is just that uh, our, our theme for this, this semester is very different from anything we've done. Uh, one of the things as pastor I'm always watching is what God's doing, and one of the things that he's been doing is bringing us a wave of pretty amazing amazing people. Uh, and so that's been consistent through our 10-year history as a campus. Uh, but I thought, man, I, I just, we don't have enough time on Sunday mornings alone for you to get to know all of these folks. Um, and so last year, uh, Brian and I spent a ton of time because we went through the whole Bible with you guys, uh, a lot of time in teaching and preparation. And it was great. It was great for us. Hope it was good for you. But uh, we thought this year it might be a good break and change of pace to do something different like this. Uh, Not only that, the podcast, because it had to, kind of took off a little bit. And so uh, we decided we would do uh, uh, this conversational format and we'd introduce you to some of the the people in our church congregation. So we're going to introduce you to Ryan Berger here in just a few moments uh, and uh, we'll go from there. But before we do that, Brian Ball is going to kick us off with a few words and then a word of prayer. Yeah, I'm going to tell you this, and this is kind of a unique opportunity for me because, of course, I've sit under Jay's preaching, but Ryan is my Sunday school teacher. And I've, I've sat <laughs> under his teaching for about a, a decade or so. So poor basically guy, any, any, any of the poor heresy guy. that you hear coming out of me, these two are generally responsible for. Thank you. So for that, you're, you're welcome. But in, in, all, in all seriousness, these are two of the best teachers and preachers that I've ever sat under. And, and the importance of being under teaching authority is so critical in the life of a Christian and so critical in how we grow as disciples. And I'm just very thankful for, for the influence they have had on me and the way I have grown in Christ likeness because of their teaching. So uh, let's pray and get started and we'll, we'll harass Ryan here for a little bit. Father God, we're thankful. We're thankful for your grace. We're thankful for your, your son that saves us. We're thankful for the opportunity to be here together, uh, to be able to look each other in the eye. Um, there, there is there's something about that contact in, in the family, um, in, in the body that, that just means so much. Uh, tonight, we're, we're going to talk about uh, children and, and, a, and a godly worldview in our kids and, a, and, a, and how we raise that, how we see that. And so, Father, bless this time. Uh, and let us walk away uh, changed and, and understanding more about you and more about how we can look like you and how we can and raise this next generation uh, to, be, to be godly, to, 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 to face the challenges that, that, that are set before them and to do it in a way that glorifies you. And so, Father, be with us tonight as we speak. And it's in the precious name of Christ Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, uh, Brian. One other note, uh, for those of you who are in the room, uh, we use a uh, website called slido.com to submit questions. So if you have your phone handy, uh, you can pull that out and open up your web browser, go to slido.com. And Andrew, uh, grateful for Andrew Foster, working the board for us back there, has put up a room number. So when you go to that website, it'll say room number and you just put 74400. uh, And then that will enable you to enter questions uh, You can do so anonymously, or you can put your name behind them if you like. The other cool thing it does, even if you don't have a question, it also enables you to like questions. And so what we tend to do is if a question gets 
five or six likes, then that's the one we start with. It ranks them and we work down those uh, during our Q&A time. So that way we can kind of moderate questions a little bit. Uh, if you are listening to the podcast, we're so sorry. We haven't figured out a way to make that technology work, travel in time yet, but maybe one of these days we will. Uh, but uh, use slido.com and uh, go to that room number and then we will check that out when we get there. This format is experimental, so Ryan is our <laughs> guinea pig tonight. And so we just thought versus having prepared you know, lessons and things, we would just have a conversation. So we've kind of got a conversation guide. We may or may not follow it, Ryan, as we go. But let me tell you a, a little bit about Ryan Berger. Uh, excited to have him with us. He is the uh, Director of Spiritual Life at Brentwood Academy. Uh, he has been there for how many years now, Ryan? 19. 19 years and 19, counting. 19. Uh, so almost 20 years there. Uh, his family, uh, his dad was involved with Christian education in Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan and I have talked often over the years. I was, of course, student minister at the Brentwood campus and then next-gen minister. Uh, and so real passion for young people and spiritual development and how faith gets shaped both in the home, at church, and of course in his context in the school mm-hmm. uh, that he, he gets to guide and, and direct. And so he has a really unique vantage point between all three three of those spheres, uh, and a real passion, as you heard uh, from Brian, just to be able to teach God's Word. Uh, And so with that, I thought he would be a great guy to help us understand uh, how we shape a biblical worldview in our kids. Uh, That's something that's very important to us as a church. Uh, It's something that's one of our, what I would call one of our distinctives, uh, that we really see ourselves as what we would call a family equipping church. We don't exist to replace the role of mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, in in the spiritual development of their, their young people, but instead as the church, we believe that the church and the home should always work in partnership together uh, to emphasize the same biblical truths, to operate off the same playbook. And so with that being said, Ryan, tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us a little bit more about your background. Tell us about your family, a couple person. Just help us get to know the one and only Ryan Burke <laughs> yeah. a little bit. Uh, I, I don't know if you've seen the lineup, what is coming in the next few weeks, but uh, when they sent out the sign up, uh, genius. When I started seeing the names that are coming, I thought I better go first because I got to set the bar super low because it's, <laughs> I'm super excited next week uh, for Alyssa Childers. She's going to be here. And I, I just read her, her book uh, over Christmas break and it is phenomenal. So uh, I'm sorry that uh, we've had an 11 month break and you're coming back to this, but here we go. Um, kind of with me, uh, I was I, I wasn't born in Miami, Florida, but we moved there when I was six months old, so that's all I ever knew. Um, and actually, my, my dad was, uh, we, I went to a, a very large uh, church school um, there in Miami, and my dad was the business manager of the, of the church. And so I went to the same school, K through 12. Um, they almost... <laughs> they almost did not invite me back my senior year. Uh, just, I'd hit a rough patch. It's a long story. Uh, but when your dad works at the church and they might not invite you back for your senior year. Um, made it through and ended up uh, going away to school. And then I actually came back and taught at that same school for 12 years. Um, and, and during that time, I actually met my wife. She uh, came down and uh, from, she's from New York and was a biology teacher. And uh, so we met there at the school and, um, and then our, the head of school at our school in Miami, he took the job at Brentwood Academy in 1999. And then in 02, we started uh, just the church and school were going through, through some changes. And so we just really felt like the Holy Spirit. I, I mean, I really did. It's funny, my, my plan, I mean, that's all I ever knew, that, that school and those people and uh, I just planned on dying and they'd bury me on the football field and that's the way it was going to go. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just started, started working. You know, sometimes what he does, he makes you uncomfortable where you are, right? He does. And, and even a lot of times when you have your heels dug in, he makes you uncomfortable till finally it's like, okay, Lord, okay, okay, I'll listen. And uh, you talked about that a few weeks ago of uh, because you say so. And so we, we actually started looking in South Florida and Central Florida, but um, just for jobs, because I'm a Florida guy. And um, the job opened up at, at Brentwood Academy. So we, we, we came up and, and we were planning on being here maybe three or four years and going back to Florida. Here you we're going are. on 20. We're going on 20. Uh, we've actually lived in the same house in Spring Hill. Um, I, I don't know how long you have been here, but... Uh, 
we actually moved here and moved into Haynes Crossing and uh, Port Royal was a loose gravel road. And so I don't know if you guys, many of you, maybe maybe some of you have been here that long, but uh, it's just amazing. And so there really wasn't a lot of church opportunities down in this area. And so we looked a lot. Uh, we didn't have kids at the time. And so we kind of kind of church hopped for about a year uh, through Franklin and Brentwood and whatever and kind of landed at Brentwood Baptist. Um, a guy named Tim Holcomb. Yeah. Oh, man, do I love that guy. And uh, – He's having a great time right now. Uh, I know he is. Yes, he is. But um, got kind of plugged in there and started teaching Bible study there. And and so when when they opened Station Hill, um, we were. It was kind of a oh yeah, it's three minutes from our house. This is going to be great. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, He just wouldn't let us leave. And I mean, I love this dude. And I said, you know, he's we really like this. But we were kind of connected to our Sunday school class there. And, and Brian and Rachel have been a huge part of that for 10 or 12 years and um, just never really made the move. And uh, But with COVID, we've been doing Zoom. And um, I don't know, it was probably, it was probably mid, mid-summer that I, we, were, we were coming here and, and just, you know, you guys were open and whatever. And, and uh, we were driving home one afternoon from church and I asked Mary, I said, you think the Lord is kind of releasing us maybe from the class, you know, because I feel like there's, she's like, it's funny you say that. I feel it. So we started talking. We have a seventh grade son and a 10th grade daughter and kind of, it's kind of fun. We, we kind of include them in the, not that they're going to decide all of our decisions, but it's kind of fun to, the Lord can speak to them too as well. Yeah, and he's, he is. And uh, they, they were really excited and they said, yeah, it'd be great. We could get more involved. We could be, and so it has, it's been wonderful. It's been wonderful. That's awesome. A three-minute drive has been fantastic. I'll tell you that. It's been fantastic. <laughs> you got to sled downhill. So. If you get some roller blades, you can just kind of, I mean, kind of coast. could walk it. could yeah. walk it. So, so how, did you, how did you come? I mean, so you were kind of insider baseball, right, with your dad working at the, at the church. So yeah. how, how did you come to faith in Christ? Because a lot of times, right, you'll, you'll get the external compliance in that situation, but the heart won't change, right? Well, funny you say that. I went down front when I was five years old and made a profession of faith. I remember I, I got a uh, glow-in-the-dark pair of hands. They were like plastic glow-in-the-dark prayer hands. That's what I remember. So I'm good to go, man. I'm good to go, right? That's it. Said the magic words. And that's what Pete asked we're, for when we're ready. That's right. That's right. You have yeah. the glow-in-the-dark hands. Right. And so, um, yeah, just uh, that's what I did. And, I, you know, you don't. I remember a lot more sermons now that I'm uh, now that I'm older. But as a child, I did not remember many sermons. And I, like I said, since my dad worked at the church, we were there eight days a week. And uh, you know, but I, I I remember this. I was sitting in a chapel in our I believe I was I was probably a sophomore, junior in high school. And one of our chapel speakers, he was a faculty member there, and he got up and talked about the magic words. That was the title of his of his devotion that day. The magic words. And he pretty much nailed me to a T. And he talked about, are you seeing fruit in your life? Are you seeing? And the things, and boy, as he went down the list, I was thinking, nope, (laughs) nope. And really, I felt like the Holy Spirit was really pulling me toward true salvation. Hmm. Um, We were Baptist. And so, you know, my my parents were, they were were great. And uh, the church, but for some reason, I, I was... I was hearing a performance-based Christianity is what I was hearing. And as a kid, I, I always felt like, I, I always, I knew God was awesome. It just, I wasn't awesome. And I knew he knew that. And so I always thought, okay, if, if you do good, he, he loves you. And if you don't, boy, he's upset at you. And I knew the struggles I was having, and I, I knew there's no way, <laughs> there's no way he's pleased with this guy. And it was a very... It was a very performance-based and, um, and to tell you the truth, it was, it was very, um, very self-focused. Uh, hmm. I was focused on not how good I was, but how, how far short I was falling. And I, I've, I, I'll say this, I, I had my nephew, he's, he's a 
good guy, and he just got a, th a theology degree, studying to be a pastor, and about a year ago, he began to doubt his faith, or his salvation, he began to doubt his salvation. I said, brother, you're sitting in theology classes all day, how are you doing this? He goes, that's what's making me doubt. And I said, you know what? I said, I'll, I'll, let, me, let me see if this sounds familiar. I said, are you, are you starting to focus on yourself? Are you starting to focus on yourself? Are you taking your eyes off Christ and his holiness and righteousness and starting to focus on yourself? And I said, try this. Next time that you're really struggling with this, take, turn that into an opportunity for worship, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than doubting your faith and seeing how far short you fall, yes, right? Turn that into an opportunity for worship to say, but the goodness of God, the, of, of what he has done, I have, <laughs> in my own works, I have no shot. I mean, no shot. And that is really freeing information. Amen. That is freeing information. Yeah. That, that, you know, when you talk about every other religion out there, that every other religion, you're, you've got to do the list. And, and you, you've got to do the list. I believe it was Gandhi. I'll probably slaughter this quote. But even Gandhi said at the end of his life, he said, I, I still look at my life. I mean, this is what one of the greatest Hindu teachers of all. And he's like, I look at my life and I, I still know what a wicked heart that I have. Yeah, yeah. And so to turn that and to say, listen, Lord, I, I, I have no shot apart from Christ. I have no shot. And the freedom that that offers now to place your whole life into his hands. And so, but I really didn't get that. And so... It wasn't until I was probably a, I was back teaching as a faculty member, and I had a, I had a buddy of mine who, who said, man, we, we, we want to start a college department. We really don't have that. We'd love for you to, you know, a lot of college kids, and you're a teacher at the school, so there's, you have connections with a lot of alums and all that. And I said, I said, you know that verse in Matthew 18 where he says, it's better that you tie a millstone around your neck and throw yourself in the ocean than lead little ones astray? I said, I take those verses very seriously. <laughs> I said, that's a scary thing. And but, but really, again, I think the Holy Spirit was doing things. And, but at that time, um, I, had, I had come across a book that a friend gave me. It was called Grace Rules. I don't even know if it's in print. It was by a guy named Steve McVie, and he, he talked about who we are in Christ. And boy, I had missed that. Kind of at our church, our Baptist church, uh, we kind of always talked about God the Father. We talked about God the Son. We had no idea who the Holy Spirit was. Two out of three ain't bad. And we didn't realize that, I, I, I didn't really realize he, he is the one who enables us to live this abundant life that God calls us to, yeah, that we could never good. live in our own effort. And so after reading that, I read a book by Charles Stanley called The Wonderful Spirit-Filled Life. And he just talks about who the Holy Spirit is, the roles that he plays in our lives. And those two books, again, illuminating passages of Scripture that I had seen a thousand times, it was almost like the Holy Spirit just pulled back a veil, and I thought, occasionally, because as a kid, occasionally I would see people, teachers, coaches, maybe pastors, they, I was a Christian, they were a Christian, but they had something I didn't have. I, there was something, and it wasn't, and I didn't really, I couldn't put my finger on it, but it, was, it wasn't a rules-based Religion. It was a relationship and the freedom that comes with, with understanding who you are in Christ, believing that morning, noon, and night. You know, I, I tell kids this all the time. I said, listen, the, the three most important things you can believe is that God is who he says he is. You are who he says you are. And the person next to you is who God says they are also. I said, it'll change your life. I yeah, said, those three beliefs good. right there will change yeah. your life. And so to really understand who I was in Christ um, and, and to really take that kind of understand what it means to be dead to the law, as Paul talks about in Romans, and, and to, to substitute those rules for now a true relationship, uh, it was life-changing. And so I did start teaching that college class because I thought, I can tell people this. This is amazing, right? And, and so it's one of, even, even today, probably my main role is I teach middle school Bible. It's kind of one of my main roles. I, I, I teach a high school class and whatnot, but I, I love it because that was a, a time in my life that I felt like I was learning. And again, I'm going to take responsibility for this. I was hearing and building a foundation, and I was doing it wrong, and, and to, to really help kids, at least expose kids, to listen, this is who God says that you are, and, and he doesn't love us because we're awesome. He loves us because he's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> so take that pressure off yourself, and to really help kids kind of walk through that and understand that. I'm not saying they're all grasping it, and hey, we're just on fire for the Lord. I'm not saying that, <laughs> but, uh, but it's, it's, um, it's a fun... 
It's a fun job. Yeah. It's a fun job, you know? I love it. I love it. Well, you guys can tell that Ryan is an effective communicator. And whether he's teaching a life group or whether he's teaching middle school students, um, it, it takes a gifted guy to be able to hold, you know, that span of audiences <laughs> to hold their attention. Uh, you know what's kind of funny, though? What's that? I use some of the same illustrations in sixth grade Bible that I use with adults. Because, listen, we all have a flesh, right? My flesh, Galatians 5, talks about that, listen, my flesh is drawn to things like anger and selfishness and all those things. Well, sure. A sixth grader, their flesh is drawn to those same things. So it's so, yeah. so many times the you're details talking about, might be different, right. but there's it's nothing funny. new under the sun. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's so right. good. That's so good. So one of the things Ryan did for us, uh, he did four weeks on apologetics with our students uh, right before Christmas break. And man, my kids are still talking about that, <laughs> uh, by the way. And so well, well done. And so Ryan has a passion for for those kind of areas, being able to communicate those to young people. But tell us a little bit more about your role and about what what you have discovered. First of all, Ken, yeah, you, you gave, kind of gave us a taste, but what you do, and, and how is it that you feel called to help pour into the lives of, of young people? You know, kind of part of my role at the school there, as I, I do, I set up chapels. I, I just, we, we came through Christian Life Week last, last week, and we set up a few speakers. And, um, but I'm going to veer off for a minute, sure. if that's okay. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I had Bible classes. I told you, I went to a Christian school. My wife did not. My wife went public school the whole way through in New York. Um, and, and she's probably the godliest person that I know and the most patient. All right, all right, she is. Um, Amen. Hey, you're not kidding, man. I married up big time. Um, and, and, but I'll say this, I had Bible classes, had church, but it were, I'll give you an example. My, my basketball coach, um, in, in high school uh, was probably one of my greatest spiritual mentors. And, he, you know, he'd, he'd give a devotion here and there, but it was his life that I was watching. And, and I, I remember things like, I remember that guy, my parents were great. I had a, had a great family. I was very fortunate. But so, but I saw my, my coach, my basketball coach, you know, one thing I remember about that guy is that dude loved his wife <laughs> and as a player, I could still, I mean, he was crazy about his wife. And I think at the time they'd been married for like 20 years. He was crazy about her. And I remember as a kid thinking, Hey, that's pretty cool, man. That, that, you know, and, and, uh, I, I can still remember, you know, I never went to the counselors in, in high school. Uh, you know, if I had grade problems, girl problems, it was Coach Humphreys, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember I'd get in the car, and uh, we'd be driving home, and I'd turn to my dad, and I'd say, hey, you know, Coach Humphreys said this and this and this today. You know, I mean, just incredible sage, you know, that Coach Humphreys was, you know. And my dad would just look at me like, Dude, I've been saying that for three years, man, you know? <laughs> and it was really funny because I just needed yeah. – my parents put me in a spot where, and, and Jay referred to this earlier, that, yeah. that they put me in spots where the people who were influencing me were reinforcing what they were teaching me at home. Good. So when, when I turned their voices off, yeah. there were other people that were still saying the same thing. That's so good. And man, that, that like I said, Coach Humphreys, and he knows because I've told that dude many times mm -hmm. just the impact that he had on my life, still has on my life today. But, you know, so at our school, and I, I tell our people, listen, it's the, it's, the, it's the fruit. We're getting ahead because we have no, like an outline here, but I'm going to say this anyways. I'm going to say this anyways. You know, there's an old preacher saying that uh, Christianity is not taught, it's caught, right? And, but I actually believe it's both. Amen. I really Amen. do. I, I believe it's both because I think when a, if, if all they're getting is the talk part and they're not seeing the reality of the living it part, I don't know if you know this, but my kids can point out my hypocrisy like nobody's business. Now my kids I do mean, that. man, Yours, they Brian? can. Oh, yeah. And oh, my yeah, kids, yeah. and, and, and oh. all kids can. They're very perceptive of hypocrisy. And if all I am is the talk piece, all the Jesus stuff and the religious talk, but when they see the fruit of the Spirit along with 
So here, here's the thing, because a lot of times if it's just the caught piece, a lot of times a person, especially a child, might see their grandparent and think, well, grandma's just always upbeat. No, that's actually joy is what you're seeing, right? right? Yeah, Grandma has it tough, but you know what? What you're seeing is joy or um, so-and-so. They're just, they're just always so upbeat or they're always, they're just so kind. They're just so nice. Well, that's gentleness and that's kindness and that's self-control and the things. And so a lot of times I feel like if, if the teaching piece is not there, and, and I, I'm saying that as a teacher, but I'm talking in my own, in my own house right now, that if, if we're not sharing the gospel, not only with our, with our lives, but with our mouths, kids might miss the connection. It's so important to be consistent all the way through. And so I just think the most important thing that, that kids can see today, um, and, and Mary, you know, my, my wife, like I said, she went to a public school and talks about the impact of some public school teachers that she had. Uh, they were believers and the fruit of the spirit. In fact, she's a science teacher. And one of the reasons she's a science teacher is one of the teachers she had was, uh, one of the science teachers she had was a believer. And, and just his, his joy, his, his patience, his kindness. Um, she just said his room, there was something different. Something, there was something different about that room. Yeah, it's the fruit of the spirit, right? Uh, I told you, uh, Charles Stanley talks about in his book, The Wonderful Spirit-Filled Life. And he said this, he goes, he goes the, and, and if you know Charles Stanley, he's preached thousands of sermons in his life. He said, the most powerful sermon in the world is no match for a fruit-filled life. He said that people see the fruit of the Spirit, and he said, Christ has called us to be effective witnesses, and that the fruit of the Spirit is the most effective witnessing tool we have, because somebody sees your life and says, I, I don't know what she has, but there's something different about her. There's something different about him, right? And so for our kids to see that in our own homes or our grandkids or our nephews and nieces, um, it's just so important for them to see. And, and so, but it goes back, Jay, I think you said this maybe a few weeks ago, uh, the old um, Dallas Willard quote, you cannot give what you do not have. Yeah. How in the world can I give joy if I'm not experiencing, if I'm not walking with the Lord each and every day, step by step, right? A moment by moment dependency on him. I'm not doing that. How in the world can I encourage my kids or anyone around me to, hey, come check out the abundant life. I'm not living it, but you should, you know? And you're like, oh, okay. You know, again, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm going off on tangents. No, I'm, sorry. I'm, off, the, exactly I'm off the outline. Well, and what, what I love that you're sharing right now, Ryan, is this idea that here you are, spiritual life director, you know, but, <laughs> but here you are saying, this is what it looks like, right? right. We got to yep. teach it. We got to live it, yeah. and that's something that we're all called to do. Yeah. Right. Well, and that's what, and, and actually, you know, as that kind of role story, we were, we were talking about what scripture to do under this. And this may be this is an awfully effective time. If you'll turn to Deuteronomy six, right? That's that's probably the the most common passage that we, that we see relating to to, to um, you know, how we raise our kids. But but a lot of time, and a lot of times, people start with verse six, right? And these words command you know I command you today shall be on your heart, right? You shall teach them diligently to your children. Right, what we miss is it starts off with hero Israel. The Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you shall be on your heart. Because you can't inscribe, right? We talked about that, that that's, that's like a hammer and a chisel, right? In, engraving this on your children. And you can't engrave what's not on your soul. You can't engrave the relationships you don't have. These things have to be in your heart. You have to be living, the, living these things out. Or it doesn't work, right? Your, your life has to match these words. And right, then we teach them diligently to our children. We talk about them when we sit in your house, when we walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets to your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates, right? Everything you see, everything you touch should be tainted with God. Right? They asked us, you know, do we have a devotional time? We have two boys right there now in college. They would ask us, you know, do we have a devotional time? No. Our whole life is a devotion. Yeah. Everything we see, everything we touch, we've got to teach them to look at with a godly perspective. 
right? To see it through the lens that Jesus sees this through. And there are, and you, and you teach it to Christian Our boys went to a very secular school. And, but you, but you, what you have to do is teach them to process that Christian That's worldview. Right. Right. And you have to do it because they run to secular things that are, shockingly enough, yeah. at even a Christian school, there are, there are some secular things. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, one, yeah. One, one or two, oh, right? Yeah. And, but, but the whole key is you being there and one, you having Christ in your life and you walking that life. Right, because your life is etching into your child. Yeah. Right, your life is etching. Right, whatever you said to the guy that cut you off in traffic when they were in the back seat, right, was etched into your child. Your life is etching into your child. That's why it is so critical that we obey the commands of the Lord, that we walk in faithfulness with the Lord. That's what's so critical about our lives, right? And if we want this generation, if this generation behind us doesn't come up knowing the Lord, it's our fault, right? It's our fault because we aren't walking faithfully before them and showing them the way. Because, and you go on down right to the end, end of chapter 6, and it says, look, when your son comes and asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statues and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Right? Not commanded me, has commanded you. Right? What are we going to say? Then you shall say to your son, We, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord, and listen, listen to who did things, right? And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, and the Lord showed us signs and wonders and great and grievous against, the, against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he, the Lord, right, brought us out from there, and that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. And it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all this commandment before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. Right? Who did everything? The Lord. Right? When we tell our testimonies, where does it start? It doesn't say, remember how much God loved you. It says, remember, we were slaves in Egypt. Remember what you were talking about. Remember, the sl- remember this performance-based you know, righteousness we're supposed to have? Remember the, how bad you know you are? How bad we know we are? That doesn't matter because of how great God is. He will bring you out of your sin. He will bring you home. And all we have to do is obey. Right? And that's our response to the Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit enables us to do. Isn't that staggering? Mm-hmm. But that's what we have to live before our kids. That's what, because otherwise you get forced external compliance, yeah. right? Yeah. And we've all, we've, yeah. all, we've all seen that, right, yeah. in the church, that, you know, the kid doesn't have a change of heart. They're just obeying because they're in your house. What happens when they go to college? <laughs> right? <laughs> because the force isn't there, and so the compliance, because the heart never changed. Right? The heart never changed. And so what we do, right, as you talked about, what we do is we, we write these things that are on our heart, we inscribe in our children, in our word and in our deed, mm-hmm. how we live, what we say, how they see the world, how they process the world has to come from the life we live in following Christ, mm-hmm. right? And there's no sermon and God bless teachers, God bless, God bless preachers, God bless Bible teachers, they're wonderful, right, are you wonderful. You are who is etching on your child, you are who is etching on your grandchild. We have to live those lives faithfully, right? That's a good word. Right. Absolutely. You reminded me of, you know, so many times we, you're tempted to compartmentalize mm-hmm. our Christianity, right? And, I mean, I, I think it's, we, we do that in our own lives. Ah, this is my God time, and then this is, now it's business, okay? And we need to, <laughs> right. And I will say this, one of the best world Biblical worldview teaching times in our class, in our in our house. I mean, in our house, is bedtime. Yeah. My wife. So, I'm glad this doesn't go past nine because at nine I just my head just drops. I'm done. My wife, thank goodness, is a night owl, and she is, and she'll stay up with our kids because. And she she tells me this. She said when when I was a, a girl, my mom knew at bedtime I wanted to stay up, so I'll talk more at bedtime. And she, she goes, my mom would come in bed and we'd just lay there and talk about our day and talk about, and Mary has started that with our kids. And 
I'll find out in the morning. I don't find out when she comes to bed because it's too late, right? And she'll say, we talked about this last night and these relationships here and what she saw here and this and this and this. And, and so again, it's not this, it's devotion time, okay? <laughs> and ba-boom, right? Because you never know when those opportunities, I'll give you, let me look around, okay. I'll give you one. We, we, have, we decided to talk to our kids you know, to have the talk. Well, we're not going to have the talk. But we said, okay, when they start asking questions, mm-hmm. well, we'll answer. So I'm taking my son, Russ. He's in fifth grade. <laughs> this, we might want to zip this off the podcast, whatever. We're driving <laughs> down know, to the Preds. Yeah, here we up, go. <laughs> we're like, what? <laughs> we're driving to the Preds game. He and I, it's Tuesday night. We come over the hill, and there's the stoplight. And over to the side is the big pink strip club. And he goes... Dad, what's that? Oh, boy. Uh, like, <laughs> can we just go to the Preds game? And I, we didn't go into gross detail or anything like that. Sure. But, to, but it was – we had a minute to talk about the importance of, of how we treat women. And it was, it was really cool. And, I mean, like I said, we didn't – he was in fifth grade. You, you know this. I mean, there's appropriate levels for whatever, and it wasn't time for – Okay. But I wasn't expecting to have those conversations, right? Yeah. But to, to talk about, listen, how, how, how God has created men and women and how, um, what, a, what a gift women are and the way we treat women. And it was, that, that's it was a really, teachable moment. It is, right? it is. And, that's so and so if it's not, sorry, it's not between 7 and 7.30. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's devotion time. I'm that's sorry. right. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Because Deuteronomy 6 makes such a big point of, as you go, right. as you walk along the road, as yeah. you sit at home, first thing in the morning, and as you talked about with your wife and your kids, last thing at night. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that you have to be, as a parent, grandparent, you have to have your antenna up for these teachable moments yeah. when, when the curiosity is there that I really think is a God-ordained holy moment. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And, and there's a time, as we've all talked sure. about, for formal teaching and devotions sure. and Absolutely. Uh, preaching Absolutely. and teaching and instruction. Both have to be there. Yeah. You know, some of that lays the foundation for some of those conversations. Right. But we had a very similar experience with our second daughter. So there was a certain truck stop on the way to North Alabama. Some of you remember it. And she was eight years old and she would not stop asking us what that was all about. And so we said, well, we have to teach her the right picture That's of right. sexuality That's right. before we can teach her the perversion. So, it, right. it, you know, right. so, but it, again, God exactly uses right. those moments. That's exactly right. And uh, that's a part of how our, our children are wired differently. Yep. You know, different kids ask different yep. questions. And you, you as a parent, grandparent, are in the best position to know and understand that child and to be able to connect the gospel yep. to, to where they're at. Well, and one other, one other thought, thing on this is, and you don't have to live a perfect Christian life in front of your kids. Right? One of the things that I, I've learned, especially with my boys, and Benjamin was kind of for my, my one who's the senior graduating from Princeton this, this semester, he was kind of 40 years old when he was four. When he was four. I mean, <laughs> literally four. And any time he started a sentence with the word actually, you were done for. Okay, it goes back to that hypocrisy finding, right? But what, the, <laughs> what your kids need to see is a humble, repentant life led, oriented toward Christ. Right? A humble, oriented... And, and what our kids, you know, Benjamin and Micah can point out my failures. And they can point them out in spades. And what we did age appropriately as they grew up was we, we repented, right? They saw where we fell short yeah. because we're all going to fall short. And then they saw how as a godly mom, as a godly dad, as a godly man, a godly woman, how do you handle that failure? Right? Because we're all going to fail. Hmm. Our, our kids are going to fail. Yeah. And so what do you do? Will God take you back? Sure he will. Right? He, he, when you repent, he, he, he receives you. Now there are consequences to things. Right? But, but them seeing that repentant life oriented toward Christ is so important and takes a lot. Of, it goes back to, right, I don't have to be perfect. Right? And that happens as a parent. Yep. Mm-hmm. But, the, but the Bible, the scripture takes all of that pressure off of us hmm. because our God is so good. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And so not having to lead that, even that performance-oriented life as a parent. Right to to have these moments Modeling. and to teach these moments to model it. It's still an imperfect model. None of us are Jesus, but to recognize and and admit that. And my my boys have watched me repent since they were young. Now again, it was like you say, different levels of understanding, but they've watched me repent since they were very young, and they understand of Christ following life is not perfect, but it's oriented toward Christ. Yeah. And the, and that's what matters, right? The 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 way you are the what, who are you following? Yeah, yeah, right. Absolutely, that's really good. 
Yeah, certainly good. Ryan, give us give us a few handles. I want to get into. Mm-hmm. We've got a few questions popping up now, and before we get there, give us a few practical handles for this idea of of uh, you know a Christian worldview. What, yeah. what what are the things that are the most helpful? We've talked about them, some of them already, but but let distill me, those for us. Okay, let's let's talk about what's not helpful. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, um, Professor YouTube. He teaches into the wee hours of the night. He does, <laughs> yeah. and TikTok Academy's on all day, mm-hmm. and so it's it's the old. You know, when you're, you're having the talk with your child about sexuality, that, you know, some of the scholars will say, you know, if you're not talking to your kid about sex, you're the only one not talking to your kid about sex. You could pretty much put any current issue into that. If you're not talking about your child about blank, you're the only one because the day and age that our kids live in, it's just an avalanche of information and it's an avalanche of differing worldviews. Yeah, and misinformation. Misinformation. Yeah. And so for our kids, I, I think, you know, parenting is hard. You, you guys know this. Parenting is hard, man. It's, it's tiring. Yeah. It is tiring. And, and so sometimes it's just easy to say, yeah, just whatever. Go, you know, just entertain yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, Professor YouTube, I, I was reading a book and the, the author called it the rabbit hole of YouTube. And you click on one video that leads to another, that leads to another, that leads to another, another, another. And next thing you know, you know, we used to, you know, you used to think, okay, when, when our kids go off to college, that's when you hear the horror stories of kids that veer off the path, you know, and denounce their faith and all those things. But really, our kids are being hit with worldview so much way sooner now than they ever have been because if if they have this thing in their hand you know it's it's their counselor i mean why am i going to have why am i going to go have an uncomfortable talk with my parents or with my teacher or my coach when i can just google it right mm-hmm. And so if we are not actively engaging and opening those doors and helping our kids understand, okay, you can come to me with anything, anything, right? When I was a kid, it was a different, it was a different age, but my parents had been raised by their parents who there were certain things you just didn't talk about. Yep. And boy, you learned that very early on. You would, you would ask and it was... <laughs> And you're like, well, okay, I'll never ask that again. <laughs> you know, I'll go ask my my junior high buddy. Yeah, you know, yeah. oh no, boy, that's part of why we're in the issue, the situations we're in. We had, yeah. we had, a, we we did the two places we should have talked about issues, the home and the church, were the two places we did not. I know, I know. right? These critical I know. issues. I know. And so then we learned, yeah. <laughs> you know, from that's buddies right. in the locker room that's and right. from movies and television and songs. And, and so you know, you're they're laying down. Uh, uh, lies for their foundation. It's like putting, you know, laying cement as a foundation. Yeah. And then when it's time to, okay, now we're going to come back with the truth. Well, you've got to ply up, you've got to jackhammer yeah, up all that point. stuff. So yeah. let's lay down the truth first. Good. So when the lies come on top, the kids can, well, you know what? There's something not, that, that, those two don't go together. But boy, if the lie beats you, to the punch. Yeah. Now all of a sudden I've got to undo all that and hopefully the truth will and it's it's a tough one. And so I, I don't know your your feelings on on phones. Um, I know it is I mean it is the number one probably number one battle that parents face today. Uh, I have a buddy of mine he does some tech talks and 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 not TikTok, tech <laughs> talks to parents and and he always reminds them. He says, "Hey, listen, your kids don't own a phone because they'll say, well, I want to give my kid, you know, their phone and it's their privacy. He goes, I'm sorry, your child does not own a phone. They're, they're using your phone. It's the one you're paying for. <laughs> it's your phone, okay? And so you need to go, and, and there, we don't need to, I mean, there are so many helps that you can do with that. But I, I do think this is one of the things that our kids are being faced with worldviews, whether it's here, whether it's with friends that are on here, whatever it is, they're they're getting different worldviews all the time. And so we need to to constantly be combating those false worldviews, those lies with the truth, with with God's view on, you you name it, every every social issue that's out there today. And so- I mean, scripture says we're in a battle. Right, and it's not a, and it's not a battle of flesh and yep. blood. It's a battle with ideas. Yeah. Right, princes and principalities of the air, and that's yep. that same battle. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the battle they're talking about, and that's the battle for the hearts and minds of our children. Yep. Yeah. Right? And if we, like you say, if we're not actively pursuing that, actively putting these things in, actively living that before them, yep. somebody else will. Yeah. Yeah. So while we're on that issue on, on worldview, the, the question that's got the most likes so far is this tolerance has become the main driver for shaping the worldview of young people today. So how do we prepare young people to understand tolerance is the, the question. I, I'll give you a case in point. Um, we were, uh, a, a buddy of mine, we're faculty members there. We were, we were talking with five seniors, five seniors, and well, you know, it's a Christian school. And we said, you know, how many, how many of you are believers? And all five said, yes, we're believers. Okay, okay. And, well, how many of you believe that, that Jesus is the way? He's the only way, the truth and the life to salvation. Three of them said a pretty good yes, and two of them said, mm, that's, I don't want to say that because that really sounds intolerant. Hmm. What? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> okay, it's time for some training. And so <laughs> we went in because I, I do think they're the, the, you know, one of the most loving things that Jesus did, one of the most compassionate things that Jesus did was he told people the truth. Yeah. He told people the truth. And, and I know in our world today, um, you know, I told you it's tough being a parent. Let me tell you, it is tough being a kid. It is tough being a kid. Um, This thing makes it tough. Um, But the the culture, the things that you, the the labels that our culture is so ready to put on kids today, it's it's tough being a kid. And so the intolerant label. But to, to help our kids understand truth, be able to express truth in love, Right? In gentleness, in yeah. kindness. And, and, and sometimes even when you do that, it, you're going to get called hater. You're going to get... But to explain, here, here's, why I, I don't, here's why I don't do that. Here's why, here's why I believe that is a destructive... That's destructive for you. Here's why I believe that. Right? And I, and I say that because I love you. I don't know if you've seen... You, I think you actually showed this at the Brentwood campus years ago. There is a YouTube clip of Penn and Teller. Do you remember this? Yeah. Yep. It's so good, and if you know, he's the guy that, that they do the, the uh, magic show in Vegas, and he's the big guy. He's an atheist, diehard atheist, and he's doing a blog, uh, like a video blog, and this guy came up after the show and gave him a Bible, and he said the guy was super nice. He kept going on. The guy was super nice. He goes, now we know this is foolishness, but he goes, and he keeps going, but he said this. I'll never forget this. He said, listen, I, he goes, I have no respect for people who believe in heaven and hell and they, don't, and they don't solicit that. He goes, if you really believe there's a heaven and hell and, and we are going eternally to one of those places and you don't tell me, he goes, he said this, how much do you have to hate me to not tell me that? He goes, now we know this isn't true and he keeps going on, but I thought, this is an atheist saying, listen, and so how do we begin to train our kids? And, and here's, we're kind of jumping ahead just a minute, but I think it's so important to help our kids. You know, we're called to be effective witnesses, right? That, that's God's plan for us today, right? And this is why the Holy Spirit indwells us today. One of the reasons is to make us effective witnesses, right? The, he bears his fruit. We don't, we don't bear it. We only bear it. We don't produce it, okay? Our kids have opportunities at their schools, their AAU team, with their teammates, classmates, other teenagers that I got to be honest, old guys like me, kids don't want to hear that, but they'll listen to their buddy. They'll listen to their friend who is their age and can actually articulate, listen, this is why. And so I think the tolerance thing many times shuts down conversation. It shuts down um, real uh, uh, meaningful conversations with our kids because I think our kids sometimes are, they're, they're, they're fearful. You're fearful of the label. Yeah. You're fearful of the label. And, and so how, how do, again, how do we train? We're training our kids. How do you have, practice at home, practice at home, right? The other day, uh, I, 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 we, we, we do this with our kids. I, I was, we were driving and, and I said something like, uh, we were talking about baptism. The, the guy, that was awesome the other day, by the way. Oh, man, it's so fun. Uh, we were driving, and I said, uh, you, um, I asked my son, seventh grade, tell me, um, 
tell me what I believe. Tell me what I believe about baptism. Go ahead. I wanted to see if he knew. I wanted to see if I had done a good job. Could you explain? Now, I didn't say you have to believe it. What does your dad believe? What does your dad believe about baptism, right? He did pretty well. He, did, he didn't do bad, right? But we do that sometimes. We, we kind of quiz them of, okay, how do you think? What do you think I think about that? What do you think? Go ahead, go ahead, right? And see if they know. Or, and if they don't, okay, I need to do a better job of... Hmm helping you understand, okay, this is what, and it, you guys know this, I mean, it can't be the, because I said so, our kids, actually, actually, yeah. <laughs> actually your life wasn't, and so I, I think it's really important to help our kids think through, because, you know, I, I've told them, I said, listen, when you go to college or when you face things, I don't want you to think, oh, my, my parents are so unenlightened, they don't believe, no, no, I want you to know why I believe, I want you to know what I believe and why I believe yeah, it, too. so even, you're going to have to make your own choices someday, but I want you to know, okay, this is why they, they believe this. But I think the tolerance thing... Well, back to that Deuteronomy 6, right? You're, you're impressing yes, you know, yes. in those conversations. You know, yes. For the sports, it's fundamentals. You're, you're yep. going back over those same yep. important principles, laying that foundation time yep. and time again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's outstanding. Yeah, that's good. Do you, have another, do you have another Slido question? Yeah, yeah. To... the next question up is, you know, how, how do we address the situation in a Christian school? This is an example, I think, of when a teacher seems to be including social justice in, in mm. lessons. Mm. You know, these hot topics sure. that, that come up, you sure. know, um, and it looks like this context is specifically in a Christian school, sure. so a, which you, you function in. Absolutely. Uh, but yet you still have to deal with those hot button issues to uh, which sometimes there are different perspectives, uh, even within evangelical Christians on absolutely. some of those things. I, I do think, and, and even, even people that, that are, I do think there is a difference between what the world many times labels as social justice yeah. and true biblical justice. Good, good. I, I, there, there is a difference. And, and people on, that fall on both sides will say, yeah, there is a difference. There is a difference. And so I think it's really important to train our, our kids. Okay, what exactly? Here's, a, here's another thing that I, I think it's really important for, to train our kids on Okay, I'm just going to say this. All right, here we go. Here we go. I'm a creationist, right? I am. I don't believe that it all came out of nothing. In the beginning was nothing, and it all exploded and created everything. I don't. I believe in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. I do. Okay, there it is. I'm actually a six-day <laughs> creationist. I know that's okay. Either. But listen, I think it's really important for our kids to know evolution inside and out. Inside and out, I think it's really important for them to know it. And so there are some, there are, there's some real, I don't even mean to get off on this, but I think it's just important for kids to know both sides because how are you supposed to know what you believe if you don't know the other options that are out there? I'm not saying you need to, I'm not saying you need to experiment and, and, and really become in every religion that's out there. I, I, think to, I think when you really understand Christianity, uh, the, the differences are very glaring as far as salvation through Christ and, and those things. But I think it's really important to know both sides. And so the difference between social justice and biblical justice, a, a very, uh, again, a very, what's the word I'm looking for? A very uh, um, self-works, uh, I can do this and I can... Yes, God can use us to make the world a better place. I understand that. But, but when, it's, when it becomes this, this self-righteous, this right. self-saving, um, our, but our kids need to know. Yeah. They, they need to know well, both I love where sides you started, right? They need Let, to know both let's, sides of that. Let's train our children to define these terms biblically. Like we believe this is God's standard of truth. Mm -hmm. So sure, there's going to be an imposter version of all of these things sure, sure. that the world tries to present. Sure. And we don't have to be afraid of that or having that conversation because, we, again, we believe it's inferior to, to the real answer, right, the right, right answer. Right. Back to the intolerance question. You, know, you just mentioned about different religions. One of the things that I've always found effective with students, with people in general, is when you begin to explain the difference between the faiths, especially when it comes to intolerance, right? Well, all world faiths, you, as you mentioned earlier, you got to keep this and you got to do this and you got to how all that's the most intolerant thing that there is. Yes. Because the only people yes. who get in are the people who do all of these things perfectly. Yeah. Versus you can argue, right? Christianity is the only one that says you're saved by grace that's through right. faith. 
That's right. So in reality, right, it is the most tolerant of all belief systems because it believes that all can come to saving faith in Christ. And so I think when you begin to unpack those things biblically and you give those handles, it makes a difference in the life of of young people. So what a great, but I I love that response. Let's define it biblically. And then let's look at the things that the world's tossing our kids away. And again, how important is it to be laying down truth first? Yes. It's so important. Yeah. Well, but, these, I, conversa- these conversations being proactive started, instead yes, of reactive. Yes. No. You know. and, but that's the intent, right? Because yeah. there's intent in Deuteronomy 6. <clears throat> Absolutely. But there is absolute intent in You're Deuteronomy building 6. on this worldview. Right. And so laying those things down, like you say, I come from a family of scientists, right? And the reason we believe we can do science is because God created the world. And so when we go do science, we're not going to discover anything God didn't put there. It's shocking that way. It's, it's almost <laughs> like he created heaven and earth. Yeah. <laughs> right? almost, almost like he did that, right? And so we're not afraid. Of, again, my family, we were scientists and engineers. We, we're not afraid of that counteracting yep. thing in our faith yep. because it is all by God. That's and right. so once you That's start right. and work out from God to whatever the topic is, you're good. Yep. Yep. The problem is, is people will start out here somewhere and try and work back to God, and you don't always get there. Yeah, that's good. It's good. Well, we've got a couple of questions that we want to be sure we ask every every week, Ooh, okay. um, just for consistency as kind of a closing statement, so to speak. So, Brian, give us give us those questions, and then Ryan, we want to be sure we have have time to pray for you. Sure. So, so how how does does this this help us as a church love one another, right? How 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 do we better as a church in, in how we raise our kids in this biblical world? And I realize there's a fairly obvious answer that we've been talking about, right, as we raise kids in the faith. Yeah. But how does, how does this help us as a church, loving one another as a community, um, edify one another, edify the, edify the community? You know, I, I, th- I think, as we, we talked about before, I think to recruit um, other people into your children's lives that, that obviously you trust, obviously that that are grounded uh, biblically. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are some grandparents here. Grandparents are so phenomenal. I mean, so many times kids will have conversations with their grandparents that they wouldn't have with their parents. 100%. And so, boy, if you have grandparents that you can recruit in or you are a grandparent, be active and and in, I know, Jay, you, you, both you guys have college kids. And the, I think a lot of times people think that, hey, when they go to college, that's it. You're on your own now. Sometimes that's where they really need you most. Not to, but but just, just checking in, just checking in because they're hearing all these different worldviews. And, and so I think it's so important. But to recruit other people. Uh, um, both these guys, my, my kids quote both these guys, right? And they do. And so, but, but coaches, teachers, friends, um, like I said, if, if you, whether it's family, whether it's that to help. So when, they, when my kids turn my voice off, mm-hmm. right? I hear this guy all the time. We have the coach Humphreys who just is dropping words of wisdom. And so isn't that really what the body of Christ, isn't that what the church is supposed to be? We are the church. Yes, exactly. Isn't that what the church is supposed to be? And it's not Wednesday night for an hour. It's, man, where do we get plugged in? Where do we, and and so. And and that teaches our kids that too. It teaches our kids. You know, one of the things that um, I, I think, are we teaching our kids the importance of the body of Christ in their life? You know, we weren't, God has designed us to need each other. Yeah. I mean, he's designed it that way. And not only, I mean, we need each other. And so to help our kids see that from, a, so when they go off to college, that's one of the things on their top priority list is to find a body of believers that they get plugged into that's going to that, that's gonna encourage them, walk with them, hold them accountable, challenge them, uh, um, all those things that they've seen this already in our lives it's not just an hour on Sunday morning because that's going to be really easy to put on the shelf yeah. when it's just them. Yeah. And so I think that's how, I think for, for all of us to really, you know, to, to be open to getting recruited by other, other people to say, hey, well, you know, let's hang out and let's raise our kids together. And you can also, it's, Mary and I both are the youngest in our families. And, uh, 
we, we have older siblings, and I can't tell you how many times we have watched our older siblings, and we go, okay, we are going to do that. And then we're like, we'll never do that. Okay, that was a train wreck, right? Learn. You learn. And so to walk with yeah. other people, and you can ask when your kids are going through these stages or your kids are doing this, and, and you know where you have the trust, where you're transparent, where you can ask people, hey, we are really struggling right now. What what do you get, you know where you have that you know well those people that it's are a half a click or a full click down the road right that's right. They're, they're, you've seen and you go I want my kids right that's what we that's want right. I want my kids to turn out like that so we go to their parents yeah well, how'd that happen that's right right and then the, that's a fantastic answer then yeah. the, the second question we wanted to ask is is how does how does this forming formation of our children help the church witness to the world I I think. Um, I read a book years ago, and it's called Overplayed, and it is, uh, I think it's called like uh, seven, it's, it's like seven myths of youth sports, and it's, it's kind of written from a Christian perspective of how as a believer, how as a family, but it talks about the different things, and I, I say that to say, I think as, as parents, as the church, our priorities should be different. They just should be. What, what, what the world uh, uh, measures as success shouldn't be our standard. I, I, want, <laughs> I, I want kids, I want my kids to experience the Lord way more than, I, I, I mean, I, I know all my insecurities. I know all my failures, all that. I just, I want my kid, I, I can't, I, I remember we had friends, um, and they kind of had for they had uh, both parents were 30 minutes this way and 30 minutes this way. They lived in a house in Connecticut, the picket fence. They it was they were living the dream, and the Lord called them to Papua New Guinea, hmm. Papua New Guinea, and I'm talking the jungles of Papua New Guinea. I'm not talking. I mean, it was the jungles. And one set of parents, they they were so upset because they, they had two small daughters and, you know, because you say go, Lord, we're going. Mm. And the other group of, the other set of parents were ecstatic that the Lord would call their kids. Yeah. And they were hurting too that, hey, I'm not going to see my grandkids for a long time, but we're going to be halfway, we're going to be on the other side of the world. You know, when, when the Lord calls my kids, I want them to say, you know, I've seen it in my parents that they... When God said go, they said yes. And so, hey, it's my turn. Yes. And so I think the, the witness part, how do we do this? I, I think when the world, when our kids see that, listen, our priorities are different. They're just, they're different. Uh, we, we want you to be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And so wherever he takes it, that's what, that's what my priorities are for you. And, and, but I have to fight that too as a parent. You, you, you guys fight it too, that it is easy to get swept up into what culture deems as important and success and all that. And remember, your kids notice hypocrisy. <laughs> you say this, but boy, we are spending a lot of time and effort on this. Yeah. And so that I, I think that's a way that we yeah. really, you know, you can imagine your house being filled with joy and peace and kindness and and your daughter's friends come over and they walk into your house and they go, there's just something different about this place. There's something different. And where they are seeing the fruit of the Spirit just flow out of your house. You talk about being a witness. Yeah. But it's, it's awesome. As you're sharing that story, just kind of a scriptural wrap-up for us, it made me think of Psalm 127. Yeah. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit <laughs> of the womb, a reward like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. And, you know, I wrote in my Bible, my kids are arrows that we've been given to launch into the kingdom. So Jesus will send them to places we will not go, including the future. Yeah. Right? Amen. You think about you are loved and you are sent. And that's, that's what, what we're equipping the next generation to do. Yeah. Um, and so, Ryan, man, we're so blessed that you're yeah. part of a congregation, um, that, uh, that you do this and model it not only with your own family, but you are, you are that, that guy for so many young people at Brentwood Academy. Um, and, uh, and so what are, what are some ways we pray, can, can pray for you specifically uh, tonight as we wrap up? You know, I, I saw that. I, I had the questions beforehand. So uh, I, I saw that, you know, how can, I would, I would pray this. I would ask you to pray this for me, but I pray this for you guys as well. Uh, courage, 
I, I really mean that. Courage. Um, I, I feel like our kids are, I, I want to raise Daniels and Esthers mm. and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's. <laughs> I, I want to raise our, I want to raise kids that as we're living in Babylon, man, that, yeah. that they're, and, and so I guess courage to continue to speak truth um, and courage to, to have hard conversations when it, when it comes to parenting or grandparenting, um, you know, courage to have uncomfortable conversations and, and, you know, courage to, like I said, speak the truth with compassion and with love and, um, but I guess I would ask that for me, but I would pray that for you guys as well. Yeah, that's a good word. So, that's a good word. Um, well, thank you. Thank you for your time. I know. Hey, we can I, can I, I'm yeah, going to tell sure. you this. Jump in there. Next week, Alyssa Childers uh, has written a book called uh, uh, Another, Another Gospel. And it is, it is a kind of a faith crisis that she had as an adult. She said, my faith survived college. And she talks about that in the church, there were uh, this progressive Christianity. It, it was a tremendous book. I can't wait for next week. Uh, I can't wait. This was, <laughs> please don't let this ruin you ever coming back, please. Uh, she is awesome. I, I can't wait for next week. I'm pumped. So Ryan's next position is going to be marketing for Alisa. <laughs> I'll and, take it. And, no, man. She's I, fantastic. I, and and yeah. but what you can tell about this guy, he's authentic. He's real. He's hungry yeah. to learn. And, yeah. and somebody in his position, right? I mean, it's easy to say. Man, I'm a spiritual life director. I got all this <laughs> figured out, but I yeah. love that Ryan is always texting me, pinging me. We're talking Bible, <laughs> all kinds of things. So, so good, Ryan. Thank you again for your time tonight. Let me say a prayer over you as we, we wrap up. You, uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you uh, for the amazing people you've put in our congregation. And God, just the insights uh, that Ryan has shared with us tonight. Uh, God, that uh, we really do believe the truth of Deuteronomy 6, that we've got to lay a biblical foundation that shows and teaches our kids what it means to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so, God, our desire is to, to build this biblical worldview in the next generation so that they will be the Daniels and the, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's and the Esthers. Um, God, that they will be arrows uh, that are launched out of our homes, our church, and into your future. Uh, so, God, thank you. Uh, as Ryan has said, that uh, our, our salvation is not dependent on our ability to be great parents or grandparents, uh, that it's not dependent on our ability uh, to do these things perfectly, God, but that we can partner with you, God, in your grace and in your mercy and in your love. And we uh, can be instruments in your hand, God, as we walk along the road, as we sit at home first thing in the morning and last thing at night uh, to point a generation to you. So Father, uh, would you bless Ryan? Would you give him the courage that he's asked for? And would you give all of us courage, God, uh, to be intentional with our choices uh, and to love you with everything we've got and to let that love show. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks, guys.